0: Sox fans, here
1: are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Welcome everyone. The bastards are back for this midweek edition of the podcast. We are downloaded in over 30 countries across the globe and available on every major media platform. For everyone listening on Apple podcasts, please rate and review the show if you have not already. Nothing you do will help us more immensely. The Red Sox just wrapped up a two-game set against the Atlanta Braves, sweeping them two games to nothing. They are still in second place in the American League East, just one game behind the Tampa Bay Rays. Quick disclaimer for any first-time listeners, this is not a Homer podcast. We call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When they are getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt. If you are easily offended, press the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, let's get rolling. I am Terry Cushman coming to you from Lewiston, Maine. You can harass me on Twitter at CushmanMLB. You can also find the podcast account at bastards underscore Boston co-hosting with me tonight from the mile high city of Denver by way of Quincy, Massachusetts, Andrew Dwan. Andrew, how are you?
0: Always doing good after a sweep. (laughs) Can't ask for much more. When was the last
1: one we, well, the Yankees won. Okay. So it hasn't been too long. We did. Yeah. Yeah, I forget. How could I forget that one? But (laughs) (laughs) yeah. And your Twitter handle, Andrew? It's going to be at Andrew Devon MLB. Outstanding. Also joining us tonight from the nation's capital by way of Newport, Rhode Island, the man with the hair, Job Goddard.
2: (laughs) For those who can't see, I'm rocking like an Emmett Brown straight from uh, Back to the Future hairdo right now. Um, I'm doing great. You know, like Andrew said, it's tough to not be this good after a sweep. I was at Fenway for games during the Blue Jays series. That was tough, um, but it, it's good to finish on a good note. So, you can find me on Twitter at Job MLB. That's J O B M L B. Make the same joke every time. Don't send me job applications.
1: <laughs> Outstanding. Your parents just should have put an E on the end of your name and life would be so much easier.
2: You're you're preaching to the choir there, Terry. I might have asked that question a hundred times.
1: Fun fact about me, I'm named after my dad and on my initial birth certificate, I was listed as the second. And I hated it so much that when I was a junior in high school, my parents switched it to junior. So we had to go through the probate courts. So it can be done, Job, is the point I'm, I'm getting at. But At this uh, point
2: I'm gonna just I'm gonna just switch it to Arroyo you
0: know, <laughs> so you can get that going.
1: yeah one, one of my favorite players for sure. Um, all right, so us geniuses on the early week show predicted a sweep for the Braves. We saw Tucker Davidson's uh, first few starts as a rookie and thought oh, we never beat those guys and then Ian Anderson arguably a top of the rotation guy however, we were wrong, all three of us. Sox got the sweep. I want to say this, and we're going to get into it, but pitching, not so great. It was all about the hitting. Red Sox well, gave up 16 runs in two games. But we scored Well, so uh,
2: across, across the league, Terry, just a quick anecdote. Of course. Uh, just using, using Las, Las Vegas over and under data for the last two days. As of right now, today's projected to go ten and four on the over. Yesterday went ten and four on the over. So the numbers are way, way up for scoring um, across the league, not just for you know the games that we're playing in. Uh, and if you remember correctly, in our preseason show, I picked Ian Anderson to be my sleeper pick for the Cy Young. So uh, oh, wow. I'm excited to be wrong about that one tonight. <laughs>
1: yeah I forgot about that pick. That's a pretty good one. Um, a nice sleeper pick, like you said. um all right, so I just want to give everyone a heads up. We're gonna be talking a lot of sticky stuff, you know, foreign substances, what we think about it, what the players think about it. That's gonna be in the deep dives episode twenty four hours after this current one. Uh, is released, so look for that stuff specifically in there, and if you haven't listened to the Hot Take Tuesday episode, that was very entertaining, that came out 24 hours ago, this is a busy week, four straight nights of podcasts, this is number three, so, uh, you know, we're getting into it hot and heavy, studs and duds for this Atlanta sweep, Andrew, your stud
0: for the series. (laughs) Gotta go, Arroyo. It's fresh in our memory. Um, Hit a 467-foot grand slam in the exact moment they needed it, two outs. You know, He wasn't even going to be the guy that was coming up. It was going to be Santana, then Cora yanked him back. And the rest is history, as they say. This guy has a clutch gene, and the only thing holding it back right now is his health. He seems to just get drilled or have something... uh, Happen to him every time they want to give him extended playing time, but if this is going to be his uh, his role going forward, just you know, pinch hitting my Astro, I'm not not super opposed to it.
1: Yeah, and you know, I mean, how hard of a decision is that Arroyo or Santana? Santana has five or six hits since, so of course, you know Arroyo. But, Joe, your thoughts?
2: Well, you know, I put in the chat. uh, right as Bobby Dolbeck stood up to the plate that if he didn't hit into a double play, I wanted to see Arroyo. Alex Cora was way, way ahead of me because he put in Santana knowing they were going to go to Minter in the bullpen as a lefty and then pulled a little switcheroo, introduced Santana. So obviously Santana could not come back into the game at a later time and then introduced Arroyo, got the matchup favorable that he wanted. And obviously Arroyo delivered Every time we need a hit, Arroyo delivers. So, like Andrew said, I mean, this guy is so much fun to watch. It's like watching 2013 Johnny Domes, but on steroids. Not to say that he's on actual steroids, but it's just as entertaining as any Red Sox player I could ever imagine in, in the big moments. And is not the guy that you imagine it would be, which makes it even better.
1: Yeah, I don't know how many more times I'm going to pat myself on the back, but I did have Arroyo as my breakout guy. I liked what I saw last year. I thought he provided a little bit of spark in a season that was one of the worst we've ever seen, albeit an abbreviated season. But what I loved tonight about that grand slam was we were down by a run and he had two strikes against him. It was a one, two count. If he strikes out, We're having a different conversation right now. We're having a much different conversation. We're still down by one run if he strikes out, and he crushed that. And Franchi Cordero has the longest home run, I believe, so far this season, 474 feet. Arroyo's home run, only seven feet shorter than that. So he absolutely destroyed it, and I love to see it. And I love his presence. I, I just I don't know what it is. He's got this tough guy presence. He's got some swagger. He's got some confidence, and I uh, I like it. He's one of my favorite players as well. So oh, and also he's reaching Johnny Gomes level clutch pinch hitting. Gomes must have hit four or five dingers in 2013 in a clutch situation, so like to see it. Job, who is your stud for the series?
2: Just, just really quickly on that note, Terry, that was the fourth longest home run in Major League Baseball this year. This year. Um, ah. just, just looking that up real quick while we're sitting here. My stud for the series is another guy who had a home run. He's been my stud a couple of times. Everyone sleeps on this guy. It's Hunter Renfro. Uh, he was – I believe four for seven in the series unless I miss an at-bat late there um, with a home run, four RBIs, two in each game. He didn't play great defense early tonight, but he made an absolutely great throw to the cutoff man in the ninth, which allowed the relay to, to uh, take out Acuna at third on a base running mistake, um, which helped seal seal the game. You'd hate to see Acuna at second or third base with Freddie Freeman coming up as the tying run and one down. So that was really a a big shut-the-door moment, and Hunter Renfro seems to always put his bat on the ball in these situations now. He's a guy who I remember on this show about six weeks ago, he was hitting 230, and he just hit a couple of home runs in a series against the Baltimore Orioles, and Andrew and I and yourself, Terry, we had a conversation about how this was the highest we were going to get from Hunter Renfro. This was the peak where we should enjoy it while we can. And now we were so wrong. That was like the base uh, of who he was going to be this season. He's up to about 265 last I checked uh, with a couple of home runs, eight home runs. And he's driving in everybody in front of him. Almost every time he gets up, he's moving runners along, doing all the little things. And despite a couple of misplayed balls in right field, his arm makes up for it because he's got an absolute hose from right.
1: Uh, Andrew, thoughts on Renfro?
0: Yeah, uh, just he's really carrying the bottom, bottom of our lineup, and there's no argument against that. Going into this game, uh, since May 1st, he's been hitting 297, and that's in 150 plate appearances. Now they get. Anyone could ask asked for that. I would have been happy if he were giving me 250 all year long. A little shaking the field today. Only one of them really affected them. It looks like a uh, top spin, line drive. Adam kind of ate him up a little bit. Um, but other than that, yeah, it was a heck of a hose that he threw. Uh, I wasn't sure if they were going to get Acuna at the end because Xander kind of double, uh, double clutched it there. But, yeah, um, I don't know what would have happened, honestly, had Acuna... St- you know, made it into third or even stayed on second, this game might still be going on and we would be debating if we want to start <laughs> this pod. So thank God for him. Uh he had a lot of he actually covered a lot of ground too on drives given up by uh sawman there. He made a couple nice plays in the corner. I I love Renfro. I'm so happy that we have him for this year and if it continues for two more two more years after this.
1: He's made it impossible, really, for me to, you know, to hate on him at this point. I mean, he's playing well. I don't, I don't worry a whole lot when he's hitting fifth or sixth, rather, whatever behind uh, either Bogarts or Devers, depending on nights off, what have you. Um, it'd be interesting. May, could he get up to three hundred? Like, what's the ceiling? Because he's already exceeded you know, I, what we thought the ceiling the, would be.
2: The last time we said he had a ceiling, he just he just busted right through it and he kept going. Uh, I think the ceiling is probably about where he is now, a little, maybe a little bit higher, two seventy, 270, two seventy-five, uh, with some power. But we mentioned it on our last show together, this crew. He's turned himself into a legitimate everyday player, and we brought him in as a platoon guy. So that's another win—a win for Andrew and the Heim Bloom crew, um, as far as I'm concerned. And the lineup is just that much deeper with Renfro in it.
1: Yeah, and you know. We talk about alignments a lot on this show, and and earlier on in the season, yeah, I thought Renfro was going to be a platoon guy, but now I'm starting to think as players might get called up and whatnot, I'm starting to think Hernandez is more of the platoon guy at this point, and Renfro's the everyday guy because once we get an outfielder, I mean, Verdugo is going to play every day. Renfro is going to play every day. That outfielder is probably going to play most days. So that puts Kike probably back at second base some games, maybe filling in in the outfield. I just, I, I don't see how you take bats away from Renfro at this
0: point. I don't think you do, but I do think it allows you to rest for um as you need to down the stretch like the uh, the dog days of summer because he's always going to have something kind of nipping at him, whether it be a hamstring or a tight back. So if that can cut down on the wear and tear of him, you can give him one to two days off a week. That would be, that'd be great depth to have there.
1: Yeah, and that's what I mean. Yeah. Those are probably the scenarios in which he will be in the outfield. So I, I'm just – you know, just – Impressed with Renfro. I, I, I don't think he's a platoon player going forward uh, based on what he's showing us. My stud for the series, I, it was hard. I, We'll get into the honorable mention uh, on who I thought I was going to pick. But I'm going with Rafi Devers. He got game one started with a three-run bomb out to uh, right center. And we we're up three runs with Eduardo Rodriguez on the mound. That's exactly what you want. you You want the least amount of pressure on him as possible. And uh, Devers had another uh, RBI single later on in the game. and uh, also drove in uh, another run tonight. He was four for eight on the series. And uh, drew two walks uh, in tonight's game because he seems to, he strikes out an awful lot, but uh, drew two walks tonight. So very solid series uh, for Devers and uh, hope it continues.
0: Yeah. And he had a great play late in the game. The guy ended up scoring off the Acuna double, but um, that pick he made going down the line, he didn't make the throw, but it, you know, I think that also changes the just kind of the atmosphere that's they're playing in in that position because instead of no outs guy on second, it was only no outs guy on first. Who knows what happens there? Uh, really happy to see him more so pick it up defensively than offensively because offensively it should always be there. Defensively has been where the question marks have been uh, throughout his career. So he. That's just one more step in development, and I'm I'm glad we're uh, seeing it in real time here from Devers.
2: Yeah, Devers offensively is an absolute stud. There's no other way to describe it. Every time you need a hit, he comes through, and he's just getting better. Uh, this kid is one step for being um, an MVP candidate, and I'm so excited to watch it. I think Andrew's right. His defensive play in the ninth, even though he didn't get the out, Bobby Dolbeck had to bail him out with a a big leap uh, there at first. Extremely clutch. And the reason that I mentioned that and that Andrew brings that up is that when it goes down the line there at uh, Truist Park, I believe it's called in Atlanta, that's a double for sure, but it could even be a triple. The way that ball kicks off the wall and especially with JD out there and left, you never know uh, what's going to happen. And that changes the complexion of the whole inning. Because if there's a guy on third there, you have extreme pressure on the bullpen. We know Ottavino with guys on base lets guys steal all over him, uh, struggles a little bit to get the ball over the plate. He's much better in a clean inning. So it really changes the whole outlook of the ninth. So I'm very happy with Rocky Devers in this series. And more so than just the basics, his emergence as kind of a, a leader... By example, at the age of 24, bodes so well for this team down the road.
1: Yeah, and only a couple of Red Sox players have exceeded him uh, in production before the age of 25, so he's he's doing some special stuff, and if he plays for another 10 years, he's going to Cooperstown, so... Um, Love to see it. He's one of my favorite players, and hopefully, hopefully he spends his whole career with Boston. But that's a conversation for another show. Uh, some honorable mentions to get to. Xander Bogarts was four for nine, drove in runs in each game, had three doubles uh, tonight in the second game. So really impressive, swinging a good bat there. J.D. Martinez, three for ten. The big reason why I'm putting him in the honorable mentions is he had a stand-up triple. So not the fastest runner on the team, had a stand-up triple.
2: Not only a stand-up triple, he also hustled around the bases to score when Xander hit a double off the wall on that.
1: Oh, absolutely. That was from first as well, wasn't it?
2: If yep. I'm not
1: mistaken. yeah, absolutely. Good observation. Uh, Alex Verdugo continues to show some power. He also had a three run bomb. Uh, that was uh, late last night, which essentially kind of sealed it for us. Um, so nice to see there. Three for 10, but still, uh, you know, making a big impact. I'll give Bobby Dahlbeck an honorable mention. He was three for nine. He did strike out three times in the second game, uh, as he is prone to do, but. Uh, drove in a run, didn't look terrible. Would have been nice if if uh, he would have drove in some runs uh, without having to sweat out the Arroyo Grand Slam. But, but we'll still take it. I can't think of uh, a real honorable mention in the pitching department. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of that in the duds section. But uh, any uh, observations there? Or do you want to make any uh, comments on the... Uh,
0: the Yakman, the new Yakman Rios, um, oh. I thought he looked good against Swanson, who had previously obliterated her ball down the left field line to uh, to give them the lead or to tie the game up. I guess it was. And yeah, Yakso
2: yeah. was great, great command of the slider. Um, Andrews absolutely right, and he made a great defensive stab there on that ball that came right back to him. Uh, if that hopped off the mound into the center field, it's probably a double. Because uh, it slows down there. I want to give Josh Taylor a round of applause. Uh, 2.1 innings pitched in this series. Um, another couple of scoreless appearances. He's just absolutely become Mr. Reliable. Terry, I hate when you're right about things, but you're right about him. So <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad about that. So another back-of-the-bullpen guy that has emerged for the Sox down the stretch.
1: I've been wrong on a lot of things lately, especially my series uh, predictions. Um, but yeah, I uh, I didn't have uh, him in my notes for for game one. But um, nice to nice to see with Taylor. Is he the second best guy in the bullpen at this point? Like, can we go there?
2: I think you uh, know yeah. is still probably there, All just right. because he's pitching in the higher leverage situations. But as far as who I want it depends on the hitter. It really is at the point where I'm not saying in the eighth inning you have to go get Ottavino. Sometimes it's, you know, I want Taylor to come out there and face Freddie Freeman, for example. You know, if, if Freddie Freeman is up, I'd rather have Taylor than Ottavino.
1: Right. I'm going to give you guys another month, and then you're going to agree with me that he's the second best. I hope you're right. <laughs> uh, all right, so uh, yeah, so a uh, high. Offensive output: We scored uh, 20 runs uh, between the two games, gave up 16. So uh, we'll get into that uh, right now uh, in the dud section. So Andrew, go ahead. You're dud for the series.
0: Um, that was tough. I, yeah, it was workman. I honestly kind of forgot about him uh, <laughs> when he came in. I was like, who is that? Oh, yeah. But he his stuff it just isn't there. If that curveball isn't going to have the snap on it that it had in his prime, and who knows if it will, if they're cutting down on um, substance, substances, he's not going to be usable because he throws the 89 to 90, which I don't know if you heard Eck when uh, Tomlin was in. They're like, he, he, you just don't see anyone throw 89 anymore. It's like, dude, Workman just did that for a full inning. But he walked the first <laughs> guy he faced. You can't do that, especially when you have his stuff. And I think his days are are numbered. Good risk that they took on him. Uh, there was literally zero downside to it. Uh, only upside. It was a guy you're familiar with. Maybe it worked out, maybe he didn't. And I wouldn't even say this didn't work out. I just don't think the upside is there. So, for that reason, I, I went with him. Joe?
2: Yeah, I, I agree with Andrew. I think his 40-man roster spot is probably not long. Uh, he's not long for this team. There are guys that are going to be ready pretty soon that I think are next man up. I think Brazier is probably a threat to take his spot, as is Tanner Houck. When Hawk is ready, he's pitching at Triple A Wister again. So, that's coming up pretty soon. And even, you know, as we get further into it, there's going to be more guys that have to drop off. Duran could take that spot if you go with position player. I just don't think he's long for this team. He hasn't shown the dominance that he had in, in previous stints with the Sox. And he just seems like his cutter's not working. And when he can't play off the cutter with, with his off-speed stuff, he's going to get eaten alive by hitters. It's, it's really just not the overpowering stuff he had in 13. So it's good to have him out there because you know what he is, but it's bad to have him out there because the ceiling is so much lower than we hoped.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of hope he figures it out. We know what the ceiling is and I, I don't think there's any reason to believe he can't get there again. Um, I, he's expendable because of his contract situation. So I get that. And he could very well be, 8 again, you know, in a, in a matter of days. So I again hope that doesn't happen. But he hasn't looked sharp. Guys have been getting on base, and can't can't keep allowing that. So, um, you know, fair enough. I was singing his praises uh, a couple of shows ago. So, uh, but ever since he hasn't looked good. Uh, Job. You're dud well, for the series.
2: My dud for the series is going to be Eddie Rodriguez. Uh, he went four innings pitched. He gave up six hits, four earned, one walk. He did strike out eight, and he had some really good stuff. He just threw too many pitches. And it brings up a concern for me that maybe he's just not healthy. Um, we saw him pitch pretty well in the end of spring training, and then half to get sit, sat down for – uh, flexor strain and dead arm uh, and I, I wonder if maybe just not pitching last year because of mitocardosis uh, and then a shortened off season really hurt uh, his development as a pitcher and I question whether he has the endurance to give you five or six innings at this point in his career he might need uh, an IL stint, as far as I'm concerned, uh, some rehab performances at, at AAA. Um, so I'm a little concerned about Erod. It's not necessarily anything against him. He Like I said, great stuff, 8Ks. I just worry that he can't – we need him to give you more than four innings because we expect him to be better than the Martín Perez's and Nick Pivetta's of the world, and he's not.
0: Hopefully he figures it out. I mean, we saw how long it took Taylor to come back to the point where he's at. He looked unusable. He didn't even look like a major, a major leaguer. Now he seems to have gotten what he got back or what he had lost, gotten back. And I'd say that his Eddie's situation was probably ten times worse than Taylor's. I mean, it wasn't just COVID with a myocarditis. I mean – God, that, that's unprecedented for literally no baseball player has ever faced that. So it's hard to really base what we should see as a milestone is recovery. Um, we're just taking it one day at a time. I was really hopeful at the start of his outing. Um, he was really displaying his fastball there, getting a lot of swings and misses on it. Uh, but then it just, the guys weren't missing at some, at one point and the wheels kind of came off. Hopefully, he can build upon it. Um, I don't know how much they can work with him in, be- in between games. If you do get a guy healthy like Hauk, you can skip him with you know in a spots a spot start here or there. Uh, but I I think we're just gonna have to let this play out. Unfortunately, I don't I don't know what else they can do at this point with him
2: yeah I was wondering maybe if there was a way they could manipulate him into a you know an IL stint with maybe a sore arm or whatever the designation is um, just to give him some time to rest, recover, skip a couple of starts and kind of figure a way around it, but I don't know if they can and honestly, I don't know if Eddie would want that with his impending free agency. Uh, you know this is a guy that Terry wanted to lock up for thirty million dollars a year. Um, not 30 so a year that wasn't me <laughs> i just want i just wanted out there that he definitely is going to need to improve um but as of right now he's just not cutting it as a workhorse and you can't have many guys like that i wonder if maybe he's the odd man out when and if chris sale returns
1: it's certainly looking like that could be the case and I tweeted out last night, he might only get a one year contract next year with whatever team signs him if he can't, if he can't write the ship. But the thing that's so perplexing to me is that he had a very good spring training and then he had the dead arm, missed a few weeks, came back in April, was dominant right out of the gates. Our most listened to episode, I kid you not, was the one where and and of course i jumped the gun big time where i i questioned whether he would be a cy young candidate at the end of the year in the title of the podcast that's our most listened to podcast of the season so far and he's just gone completely off the cliff now he was weathering the storm pretty well until the fourth inning when acuña hit that two run triple and uh, that made the score. It was five to two, and then it, it was five to four after uh, Acuna got to him there. And, the, and then, like Andrew said, the wheels just kind of came off. So um, his pitch count went way up very rapidly. And it's concerning. And maybe he does need a reset. Maybe that's what needs to happen. He just needs to chill out, take a breather, maybe work on a couple of things. His changeup was really good early in the season, and that's not really been, you know, something he's dominated with uh, since then. So we'll talk about Tanner Houck and and how he could be utilized. That's going to be in the next show with the the Sticky Substances on Deep Dive. So I guess uh, look for that as – you know, 24 hours from now, but Rodriguez, it's hard to, let me point this out too. I shouldn't be getting into this now, but the one thing that does get, did give me pause is the grip thing. None of them are using anything because they're all paranoid right now. So... What would this have been like? He he looked very good against the Yankees, and okay well, so in his last start. He,
2: he, so you're absolutely right. He did look good against the Yankees on six five June fifth, which is but that is also two days after the Sports Illustrated story broke, and it was pretty clear that substances were going to become a major focus for Major League Baseball. So I I'm hard pressed to believe that in that Yankees game when it's the height of You know, this is just getting the ball rolling, sure, but the players were already addressed about it, that he was using sticky substances to battle his way through 5.1. We talk about the Yankees like they're the Yankees of 2020 or 2019 as far as offense goes. The Yankees have scored less runs this year than the Arizona Diamondbacks. The Arizona Diamondbacks are on an 18-game road losing streak and are – I don't even have the numbers in front of me, but I'm going to guess 20 games – Uh, out of the division there in the National League West. That's how bad the Yankees' offense has been. So he went 5.1 against the Yankees. He did give up five hits, three runs. He struck out seven. He looked good. But then last game against Houston, I understand it's Houston. Best lineup there is that we're going to face all season, in my opinion. 4.2, but he gave up six hits, six runs, three walks, five Ks. Looked okay, not super sharp. Today he came out firing, or rather yesterday he came out firing. For the first two innings, I was like, oh, my God, maybe Eddie's back. Maybe this is it. Every first two innings of every start that he's had this season, that's how I'm feeling. I just wonder if maybe you move him to the bullpen and you give him 30 pitches, if he can be your long guy in the bullpen and, and be dominant in that role. Because he's really good until he starts to run out of gas.
1: He's only gotten through five innings, five full innings in four out of his last five starts, so it's concerning. But it's just the worst possible timing for you know the the substance thing because I feel like I feel like there were guys that weren't abusing it like egregiously, and they're the victims here. So we'll, we'll get into that uh, in the next episode, but. Um, But didn't didn't look great yesterday in the uh, in the fourth inning, uh, especially. My dud for the series, I'm going with Hirakazu Sawamura. I love saying his first name. Um, He had a two inning outing tonight, um, and he's been utilized for more than three outs fairly often uh, this year, surprisingly, because I wasn't expecting that uh, coming into the season. But he got through the first inning unscathed, a couple of flyouts, and then a strikeout, and then he comes out for the second inning, uh, gets Acuna out quick enough, and then Freddie Freeman uh, hit a home run, uh, and then uh, Almonte, Abraham Almonte got a double, and then he walked Austin Riley, and then Cora came out and replaced him. With Yaxel Rios, who then got out of the inning cleanly. But it's just the inconsistency. Like He teases us so often with that splitter and just wipes out the side in some appearances. And then nights like tonight just scuffles a little bit. He is prone to the long ball, as we saw with Freeman. I mean, Freeman destroys a lot of guys, but... I just want him to be that bona fide, high leverage guy, and we're just not seeing it so far
0: with consistency. Andrew. That, I mean, you saw that home run coming a mile away when he shook off the splitter, unfortunately. It was like, you know, Freddie Freeman's a smart ball player. He sees you shake it off. He knows what's coming after that. It's going to be a fastball. So he was sitting dead right on there and just teed off. Uh, I will say for Hero, though, he has been eating innings when they've needed him the most. So even though he hasn't been super consistent, that has been invaluable for, him, for this team that a guy can come in and throw two innings. I don't think anyone. Saw him as a two-inning uh, reliever coming into the area. Uh, he's no spring chicken. He's uh, definitely getting up there in age. So for him to come over and just kind of accept that role and be there when they need him to, it, I still feel confident when Cora puts him in.
2: Yeah, I I understand it's, it's tough to choose a dud based off the fact that we had two go-ahead game-tying home runs in seventh inning and then the eighth inning in the last two nights, and pretty much everybody's been good. And, Terry, you pick last. So I understand it's tough to pick. But he, he had – he gave up two hits tonight. One of those is the Freddie Freeman home run. Andrew pointed it out, right? You can't shake off your catcher and throw second straight fastball up and into Freddie Freeman. He's last year's National League MVP for a reason. I don't care how hard you throw it. And I understand Sawman throw it 96 96 is not 105, it's not 104, it's not 102. And I wouldn't even throw Chapman's fastball uh, to Freddie Freeman in that spot. So I didn't like his pick selection, but he did give us an inning last night. Um, He threw 11 pitches, got out of there quick, eight strikes. And then tonight, like you said, he he got through the first inning no problem and then got into a little bit of trouble in that second inning. I wonder if maybe he's just a little gassed. I actually put that one more on Cora than I do on Savi um, Just based on usage rate, I probably would have pulled him for that inning. I understand you don't want to use Barnes, but with the off day tomorrow, you probably could have moved everybody forward one, gone to Yaxel Rios. When Rios was done, you could have then gone on to Workman, Hernandez, Taylor, Audubino, and then Barnes could have closed it at the end. Um, so you use one more arm, but you don't stress Salimura past his breaking point. So I actually blame Cora more so than I do Salimura.
1: Given his age, and I feel weird saying this because Koji Uihara was an absolute beast at 38 years old, closing out a World Series. So you got Salimura, who's 32, 33. Are we at the point where maybe he just has to be a one-inning guy?
2: I don't know that we're at that point yet um, because we've seen him be dominant for multiple innings. I just, for for many reasons, not the least of which is I wanted to see what Yaxel Rios could do with a clean inning, uh, which Andrew and I were talking about off air. I just feel like you don't want to stretch the guy past his capabilities because when he does start to try to hump it up there at 95, 96, he does tend to leave it up in the zone a little bit and big league hitters can hit that out of the ballpark at a lot more frequency than Japanese hitters. Um, that's and, just the difference.
0: And Rios had the unfortunate uh, spot there where he, the pitcher's spot in the lineup was coming up right after he got out of that jam. So it, that sucked. He only had thrown seven seven or eight pitches. So I think we probably would have seen him again had his spot in the lineup not been right, right where it was. Stupid NL
1: yeah I thought it would have been fun to to see him in a clean inning as well. Uh, but yeah, i'm just I was just mentioning that with Sal Moore especially because he did pitch uh, like you said job uh to three batters the night before. so to go back to back games and then the second game being uh for extra outs um i don't I don't know. I just wonder if if he's gonna be a liability uh, in that type of situation going forward.
2: You know, I think it's possible, but when you look at the lineup that he faced uh, that second time through the order, or that second inning, rather, um, he's facing Acuna, Freddie Freeman, um, I believe, was it Ozzy Albies? He faced somebody, or NCRT maybe, um, as that first hitter. And those are big league hitters. I mean, you're talking about the National League MVP from last season, the leading votes getter in all-star ballots this season and probably a favorite to win multiple MVP awards down the road in Acuna jr. And you've already used a lot of bullets. I think that's probably why you don't go to Yaxel Rios, that situation. If you're Cora, you don't want to put too much stress on the new guy uh, who you haven't really seen unless you have to. Um, and that's probably the reason for the decision. But to me, I trust Sawman man to go multiple innings. I just think he gets into trouble when he thinks I can beat this guy with my fastball. That might work in Japan. Guys don't hit 40 home runs in Japan on an annual basis. It's a very different game uh, in the Japanese leagues than it is here. If you leave an upwards fastball at 96 in Japan, the guy's probably going to slap it for a double if it's over the, over the middle. Freddie Freeman's going to take you 440. It's just a different sport, um, and that's nothing wrong with with Salimora. I think he just needs to trust his catcher a little bit more. Maybe that's a something he can work on.
1: Yeah, I mean, he faced Acuna, Freeman, and Albie's uh, the first three batters in the sixth. So um, that that's early for Salimora to be in there. Obviously, the starter didn't go very long for for him to be uh, pitching a second inning uh, in the sixth. So. So, we'll uh, we'll just kind of see how they utilize him going forward. Not a lot to get to. I mean, the the pitching wasn't great. Um, We're going to dive into a lot of this in the second show, but Richards, only four innings, uh, gave up six runs, only four of which was earned, but he was pretty wild, uh, you know, with one walk, two hit-by-pitches. only struck out three, so kind of labored, didn't throw his curveball at all. (laughs) Um, so definitely a wonky night for him. Garrett Whitlock also didn't look great in, uh, relief. He also, uh, went multiple innings in the, the second of the two. Um, didn't, you know, didn't, didn't work out so well. Gave up, uh, Gave up a run three hits so uh, any thoughts on any of them
0: I I'm not counting any pitching uh, performances for the next like two weeks this is gonna <laughs> be a mess and Richard's postgame quotes that have uh, started to come out tonight are he was super candid he didn't pull a Garrett Cole uh, he laid it all out on the line and actually I, I think it's awesome to hear from him. Yeah, we,
1: we can yeah. get into that right now if you want. Uh, it'll kind of be a teaser for the next show. Do you want to uh, read Perfect. them or you so, want me to do it?
2: Um, whichever one of you reads them, I also thought it was brilliant. Uh, I thought it was super awesome to be out in front. Um, Chris Cotillo tweeted them out for anybody who's looking for them uh, in their entirety, but the the snippet that really – kind of, that Andrew sent us that that stuck out to me, Terry, was Richard says he can't remember a game where he had to grip a ball harder than he did tonight, agrees with Glasnow's assessment on injury risk. There's lots of adjustments to be made. That's the tweet from Chris Petillo, uh, obviously, of MassLive.com. Lots of adjustments to be made worries me immensely. I, I think the big reckoning for us is going to have to be how do we judge pitching going forward, right? What's the, what's a good ERA versus a bad ERA? What's a good performance versus a, you know, an okay performance, because those standards are about to change a lot over the next fortnight. So I think Andrew's absolutely right. You can't really say anything about the pitching on a, a super big, wide, wide angle view for right now. Um, but I, I love what I'm seeing from this bullpen, despite being heavily taxed over the last 17 days. Andrew, I, I think it was you that sent me that 17 games, 17 days. We actually gained ground on the Yankees, gained ground on Toronto, uh, and we're exactly the same position we were with Tampa 17 games ago. So that's great. You know, this team is – they just went 10-7 uh, and seven over the last 17. No rest. And the bullpen is doing great. I'm, I'm quite happy where we are
1: right now. Uh, Garrett Richards also said, uh, I can't think of a worse time, to be honest with you. And that's, he's talking about the implementation of the new rules. And then he says, I'm just grateful I got this far in my career before they decided to do this. So um, it's a mess and we're going to get into it in the next show. So um i I keep I keep saying the next show, the next show, the next show. so we'll we'll save it for there. Uh, another funny note. I was just going through Catillo's tweets. Where is it? right here? Christian Vasquez left the game very abruptly. and the number one theory right away, if you look at the tweet threads was he had to poop. And uh, Alex Cora says after the game to the media, he goes, Christian is okay. He feels a lot lighter than he did earlier. He's going to kill me for this one. So that confirms everything. Um, I don't think he got as far as uh, Chapman did by not making it (laughs) uh, as we saw last year. But uh, yeah, so anyway, so let's uh, get into the Kansas City Royal series here real quick before we wrap. They uh they could definitely be a, a pesky team for us, so I'm not taking uh, anything for granted uh, in this upcoming series. We also won't be seeing Andrew uh, Benintendi. So first matchup, I'm actually showing a TBD for Kansas City. Nick Pavetta will go for the Red Sox. Martin Perez will hopefully last more than two innings uh, in game two against Chris Bubik. I'm not familiar with him. Uh, And then uh, game three uh, will be Nathan Avoldi versus Brad Keller. And uh, Keller's having a terrible uh, year. So um, I guess with game one, what do we expect from Pavetta? Tough to know with the. (laughs) Hard to
0: tell. Um, I I expect six innings out of him. I don't know if it's going to be three or four runs. Hopefully, it's nothing too crazy. But I think for the next week, it's going to be counted on the offense. And we're going to see a lot of long games uh, time wise. We're going to be looking at like Yankee Red Sox games, you know, peak early 2000s, count on four hours.
2: Yeah, I was at Pavetta's last start in Boston when he gave up a bunch of home runs to the Jays. Um, I was kind of kind of pissed off, actually. I had great seats, and he just decided that that wasn't going to be his night. Um, we're catching Kansas City at the absolute right time. They're 1-9 in their last 10. Ben Attendee's just gone on the DL. He's been their most consistent hitter, or the IL. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm pulling a Terry there. Um, to me... Pavetta should give up probably two runs over five innings. I don't think they'll push him super long because the bullpen has a day off tomorrow um and we'll have some fresh arms. I don't want to see Garrett Whitlock in in tomorrow or in uh Saturday's game 1. That's the only thing that would that would upset me with game 1 is if they have to go to Garrett Whitlock.
1: Might need expecting him a win. Might need him for game 2. Uh with Perez if if he doesn't go very far. So um, that was my thinking. Yes. Yep. Good thinking, Job. Um so Bubik, I don't am I saying that right? Is it Bubik? I, I have no idea. No
2: Bubik. Bubik. Bu- like, Bubic. Like, like okay. Bubonic, yeah.
1: <laughs> I've never heard that word either, Job. Um so <laughs> I guess the big victory here would be Martin Perez going five innings, whether we win the game or not.
0: Well, it's just nice that we're getting to face a lefty, uh, a lefty start because we've seen what we've been doing against lefty relievers, and we're not facing a ton- We haven't faced a ton of them, when we do, we've been teeing off. So, hopefully, the bats come to show, come up to, uh, you know, to what we expect. Because Marwin can hit lefties when they gets to flip ar- flip around to the right side. Renfro, we know, can hit lefties. We know JD will murder a lefty, and even Dahlbeck can get in on the fun. So. Bubik has a 1.3 whip, and 1.43 whip, and a ERA north of four. Uh, I'm expecting the offense, again, to put up at least seven.
2: Yeah, Bubik has not been great in his last couple of games. He gives up a lot of hits. Um, you know, eight to Minnesota, sticks to the Angels, seven to Oakland. Uh, not a lot of run score against him, but he does give up a lot of walks as well. He averages three walks a game. This is like a a prime has Bobby Dahlbeck arrived uh, post-game reaction from Red Sox Twitter. Bobby Dahlbeck and, and the Red Sox are going to tee off against Bubik. I'd expect this game to be probably in the 8-5 to five or 9-6 or to six variety. Um, what I want to see from Martin Perez is I want to see some balls. If, even if he doesn't have it and he can't grip the baseball and he doesn't have – He's great stuff. I don't want to see what I've seen the last couple of starts, which is he goes an inning and a third, and he looks into the dugout for Cora saying, please come get me. I don't want to see that. I want to see four innings at least from him. Uh, Even if he has to throw 100 pitches to do it, I don't care uh, of four-run baseball at most. Um, Not asking a lot from him. And then go to Whitlock for three and piece it together from there.
1: Yeah, Perez had some starts earlier in the year where he got into early jams grinded his way out of them to to still pitch at least five innings. So hopefully we see that grittiness. Uh, Bubik also gave up seven home runs last week in eight and two thirds uh, between the uh, Angels and A's starts that he made. So uh, like Andrew said, it could be uh, a home run fest uh, with some of our guys. Uh, Game three, I think we all feel uh, great about that one. Uh, Avoldi seems to be pretty undaunted by the new uh, rules that are being implemented. Looked pretty good in his last start. He'll face Brad Keller, who has a uh, 6.14 ERA. And uh, apparently he got roughed up against the Tigers uh, in his uh, last outing. So... Um should be uh if there's a an almost certain win that that looks like the game. Not that we won't win prior to that, but
0: yeah, I'm mean, gonna sound like a broken record here, but it's gonna be on the offense yet again. This is the get right weekend. Not that you know they've been scuffling, but you know, a get right weekend for the for the offense here. And I who knows what they do. In this game, lineup wise, with another day off after that, because I could see Cora if they've taken two so far, resting maybe three starters, um, probably the left side of the um, left side of the infield there. But I, even if they do, this is a game that if Evaldi is even just average, they should they should win.
2: Yeah, I'm also expecting to win this game. I think it's likely that we don't see Alex Verdugo in game two. Uh, He's been a little bit banged up, as Andrew mentioned in the last show. And against a lefty, I think it's probably the ideal place to whip out all your right-handed bats. So you probably don't see Verdugo uh, in game two. You might even take the opportunity to give him three straight days off um, and and not play him in this game. I hope not because I don't want him coming in cold uh, in Tampa. What I want to see in this game is Evaldi to give you as much as he absolutely can. He's not going to pitch against the Rays, which is a big piece. But also, we have Kansas City again in six days. Five days after this series, we have them again. Uh, he will face them again if all things you know, stay the same. That means our bullpen will also face them again. Uh, and what I'm hoping for is him to get through the order at least three times. Uh, hopefully, go seven innings, so they don't get multiple looks at all the arms in the bullpen. Uh, if we can avoid that, use them for the next leg uh, and kind of change up the looks that they get, and then also make sure that we have all of our all of our big arms ready for Tampa Bay.
1: Yeah, and this isn't the same Royals team that started off on fire, led the. American League Central for uh, I think most of the month of April before finally going into the cooler so uh, like you guys say we are catching them at the right time this could be maybe maybe the series where the Red Sox retake the lead in the American League East so we'll see I'm not gonna make a prediction because I'm uh, I'm a jinx apparently so I might take off the month of June the rest of it as far as predictions go because like Erod, i need to reset and i need to get myself right so do you guys want to put a number on it before we wrap
0: i i think i had a sweep sweep
1: all right that's a I lot of faith in perez sweep. that's a lot of <laughs> faith i also
2: have a sweep so we're, we're going for a full sweep
1: okay all right if uh, if it goes sideways though uh plenty of plenty of room on my couch So we'll uh, wrap on that. Look for the Deep Dives episode 24 hours after this one. And then um, after that, it'll be Charlie, Jason, and myself on Sunday to talk about what did happen in this Royal Series. Take care, everyone.